Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. What exactly is ChatGPT? This term might rise to a verb like Google did in our language based on the current level of interest, but do you know what it is and perhaps what it stands for? In the case of Google, this was actually a misspelling of the term Google, which is a mathematical term for a very large number, a one followed by a hundred zeros. In the case of ChatGPT, well, the chat path is the chatbot or the interface you interact with the technology. The GPT stands for Generative Pre-trained Transformer, which is a text generation deep learning model that's trained on the available data. It's founded on technology that's been in use in speech recognition for many years, Natural Language Processing, or NLP for short, that allows a computer that deals in ones and zeros to process text and understand its meaning. I put understand in quotes as it's not quite the same as humans' ability to understand the language, but a close approximation. We've made some amazing progress and discoveries in this area over the last several decades, and the key to this has been using large amounts of data that feed and create these models, the so-called large language models. And this is where GPT-3 model sits. For perspective, GPT-1 used about 117 million parameters. GPT-2 used 1.5 billion parameters. And GPT-3 uses 175 billion parameters. Now, before you start thinking we just keep expanding the data models to create better and smarter models, it's not quite that simple. And we saw with another model that was about three times the size of chat GPT-3, at about 530 billion parameters, it didn't exceed the performance. In other words, a large size does not mean higher performance. But the progress, and certainly the attention, implies we're on a trajectory to an interesting future where technology can help with questions and answers, text summarization, programming code generation, and even conversations. In the case of complex areas like healthcare, there are exciting opportunities to explore. But is that true? Is that the case? Or is this more hype than reality? And this bubble, like so many other technology bubbles, will burst, leaving many with a feeling of disappointment. Join me this week on the Healthcare Upside Down show in our series focused on ChatGPT as we talk with John Noster. He's the president of Noster Lab. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Nick, it is a, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I always enjoy our chats. So 
we're focusing on chat GPT, which, uh, you know, for, for the benefit of the listeners, I think it's worth pointing out that that's a, a generative pre-trained transformer focused on text. It's a sort of supporting aid if you see some of the use cases. And notably, one of the things that I've seen in your posts and your profiles is you've started to acknowledge the fact that you're using this. Is that really where we see this technology going? We've got to say, hey, I'm using AI suddenly. I need to let everybody know. Well, I, I think that might be a point of transition. And, and the reason why I put uh, supported by GPT on my Twitter feed is because I want to I want to tickle the tail of the dragon a little bit. I want to provoke <laughs> people. You know me. That's my brand. So number one, I think that it, it alerts people that there's something going on here. And, and number two, I think that the use of GPT and AI and, and technology in our lives is no longer an option. It's an imperative and it's not going away. So what I find particularly interesting are all the naysayers of negativity yelling and screaming that everything is destroyed. Education is destroyed. The essay is destroyed. And it, it reminds me a little bit of those, those advocates of the blacksmith many, many years ago. So I think that the reality is that we have to change around technology, not change technology around humanity. And, you know, we talk about patient centricity. I think we're in a technocentricity atmosphere, environment now. And we are recalcitrant humans, a meager species that's not too intelligent. And we've got all these new opportunities to advance. But the interesting thing is, how do we accommodate technology? Uh, because we really do live in a te technocentric world. And in medicine, that's completely the case. I mean, when we go to a doctor, when we go to, to, a, to an optometrist, our um, choice of eye, you know, our, our prescription for, for uh, lenses is completely technologically mediated. And I think we're seeing that more and more. So, so with, with respect to GPT, it's here. As I've written, the toothpaste is out of the tube and it's not going back. Yeah, so I, I got to ask because I don't, not sure that I quite follow the blacksmith reference. Where, where are you going with the, the blacksmith? Well, we look back uh, to the past with a sense of nostalgia and we cling to it as some defining element of our human journey. So Nick, you know, that, that new fangled light bulb is really nice, but, but candles are so romantic, you know? And I think that, that we recognize that, you know, that there, there are insecurities that seem to be driving this dynamic. So um, adoption is, is a complicated process. And it's not just a matter of changing our utility, for example, just using GPT. It's a matter of changing the way we incorporated into our lives. And education is at the center of this because the term paper may become the benchmark of academic scoring. But, but maybe a college student now should submit 10 interesting and well-written prompts that would be used in a GPT dynamic. So we have to rethink the reality and, and plow ahead, not clinging to the past. And that's scary, you know? I mean, any innovation, as we've talked many, many times, has an intrinsic duality. And that duality mm -hmm. is wonder and fear. And we see wonder all over the place, but right behind it or right in front of it is this notion of fear. And that duality 
uh, is not going to be mitigated. That duality is going to be managed. So I, what this reminds me a lot is the techno panic timeline that I, I recall, you know, in my past that talks about, you know, the telegraph, the printing press, you know, and the cycle of time. What I find interesting about that is the compression of time. So, you know, the point at which the technology emerges and, you know, generalized, oh, yeah, no, this actually it's really cool and really great has shortened. Yeah. And, you know, as we look at the new technologies, I think that's true. Um, in the case of chat GPT, which, you know, to be clear, I, I, I've said this repeatedly, it's not new, we've been doing this, it's, it's natural language processing was part of it, AI, you know, those tools, we've gotten better at it, for sure, bigger data sets with, you know, um, the versions of this, but ultimately, it's shortening this time frame. And, you know, you bring up this specific area, which I think is important to discuss which is that duality and you know if we well it's great but we're <laughs> fearful of it yeah where's the balance in that is there a, a, a always a positive or are the elements of this that you go well we really should be preventing or preclude i mean i, yeah. I agree with you it's out of the the tube well, as you say but should we be pushing back on some of these things well i think that we should you know um it, Newton taught us that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, that in some sort of fundamental perspective, that there's always a push and a pull. So let's talk about this in the context of our first technology. And, and I always get into debates about this, but let's just, for the sake of argument, let's say that fire is our first technology. Fire was an amazing thing. It was a tool that we used to stay up late, to heat our homes, to migrate, to eat protein that grew our brains, fire was really transformative. It also became a very, very powerful weapon. And, and fire, even today, still has that same duality of wonder and fear. You know, my kids are amazed as we sit around the campfire and they, and they play with fire. I am, am paranoid when they do that. But interestingly, over the course of thousands and thousands of years, that sense of wonder and paranoia has been sustained. It's not been mitigated. For example, one of the leading causes of property damage mm. and destruction in the world today is fire. So I don't think it's, it's appropriate to think about the risk as completely going away. I think the risk has to be concept, uh, con contextualized. Now, look, um, Airplane. The airplane is a great example, right? Mm. I mean, that, that airplane in 1917 was the coolest thing anyone's ever seen, but I'm not getting in it, right? No, right. <laughs> right. It took us, it took 67 years for the airline industry to, to reach 50 million passengers, 50 million customers, 67 years. It took one lifetime. It took Facebook three years to reach 50 million users. It took Pokemon Go 19 days to reach 50 million users. I, I see different data on GPT, but GPT is actually introducing something that's new. We, You and I live in the world of exponential change. That's sort mm -hmm. of the phrase you use, the banter of something that pushes beyond linear. What we're seeing with GPT is almost vertical. It's almost not a curve. It just went straight up. It's, it's instant in its adoption and availability. Now, of course, instant is not the correct word, but there's something really weird going on here. The first point is that speed, as you, as you implied, is absolutely at the heart of this. Harvard Business 
school did a survey of CEOs and they asked them what their greatest strength was. And they all said, speed, we can, we can adapt, we can get a product out, we can listen to our customers. Then the next day they asked them what their biggest fear is, what keeps them up at night. And they all said, speed. speed. <laughs> so, so speed itself has a, has a duality, but what's going on that's really, really strange and interesting to me is that we're seeing this idea of, of action at a distance. And this is a theory that, that Einstein referred to as spooky. When two subatomic particles are split into two components and they mm. go off in a distance, when you do one thing to one of them, the exact same thing happens to the other one. And it happens instantly, even though mm. it could be miles apart. That's, that's um, really weird. And what we're seeing is almost this instantaneous occurrence. So the exponential curve is becoming vertical. We're dividing by zero in a strange way. So speed um, is really at the heart of, of this. And interestingly, in clinical medicine, you know, as a clinician, Nick, you know better than anybody that speed is a very, very powerful tool. If someone isn't breathing or they're in cardiac arrest or they have a severe infection, the time it takes us to apply therapy, to apply an intervention is critical. But on the other side of the coin is that is that pensive, introspective thought process that goes into medicine. Well, I, I need to think about this a little bit, or is this the best path forward? So I think what we're seeing is, is people pushed up to an edge that is, um, it, it has psychological components, psychological components. And, and one other thing about the GPT dynamic that I think is really cool is that the emergence of things like CRISPR, and gene editing and, and all these crazy esoteric scientific concepts were critical, were dynamic, and in of themselves were inflection points, I believe. Mm. But the interesting thing about GPT is that while it is technologically sophisticated, it is applicable to the average Joe. So my kids have an appreciation for GPT chat. My wife does. You know, doctors, lawyers, writers, everyone can. There's a human component. And I think that's part of what is attracting people to it. But it's also what is the inflammatory component to it. It's easy to understand the implications. Now, that being said, and I'll shut up for a minute here, is that while we can understand the implications of GPT and we can all, all pontificate about the fate of academia and all sorts of things, the reality is nobody really saw this coming. That, that to me, that's really cool. I mean, did you really see it? Yeah, you know, you know, um, um, Ray Kurzweil and Dragon Speak and natural language processing—that's been around. But did anyone see this coming? Google didn't. Google didn't see it. I mean, Microsoft kind of trumped Google. Now, were they irresponsible and a little bit reckless by pushing a model that was not optimized yet? I, I don't know. I think that. It, you know, there's so many things here. Yeah. So I, as I think about that, you know, the, there's there's aspects of this with that vertical increase in knowledge, the speed. Um, you know, maybe that's part of the reason that we failed to see it. There's there's also a part of me that says, well, actually, we did see it. You know, that's you know, back in 1984, we saw Terminator, and that was you know, um, yeah, we we. Saw a, a a system that had full control that well, achieved intelligence. So yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know. Hollywood quite often gets this 
pretty good and you know Hollywood. even transcendence right i mean that's the absorption of all of that right but you know hollywood well you know hollywood gets it right in a very dystopian kind of perspective so yes <laughs> but that's their job let's be well, clear yeah uh, if, if it bleeds it leads right? right that's sort of the hollywood model but i you know you and i've been on stage more times than we can count but i never heard of this kind of methodology in place. I, I nobody and all the top thinkers, we've been on stage with some really interesting people, but nobody said, you know what, you know, in a matter of days or months, we're going to be able to write a complete scientific paper with a touch of a button. Or even, even the visual components to this. Look at, at Dolly, Dolly 2, and text to image, text to right. video. Yep. I mean that was that was very futuristic, even in the discussions. But now it's no longer futuristic. It's it is here, and it's a consumer tool. You know, not not an esoteric tool of the scientist in the laboratory. You know, stable diffusion lives in my house now. So yeah, we kind of saw it, but I, I I just think it it caught everybody off guard. But it, I, there's a part of me that also thinks that. Uh, maybe we're not really there. There's an awful lot of fluff and hype around this. You know, when you look at some of the backdrop of these tools, mm -hmm. there are people and lots of them. It reminds me a lot of the speech recognition era where we were sort of pushing the envelope. And the reality was there was sort of correction going on in the background, you know, pushing out. We had, you know, mountains of folks. There's even some articles that talk about this. Is it really there? Is the value proper? Have we seen an inflection point and it's gone vertical? Or is well, this, yeah, you, it, it's, it's, it's more hype than reality. Um, I, you know, I, this is what I think about that, is that we are not at a point. We are at a trajectory. And I think that you and I can both imagine where it's going. I don't think it's going to go away. I don't think it's going to go down. I think that that the early days, early moments of GPT is fraught with problems from intrinsic algorithmic bias to frank and overt mistakes. Yes, that is here. Like every single technology I've ever seen, the early days of flight were catastrophic. The mm. early days of AI were horrible. You know, the early days of, of driverless cars, you know, were, were not good. And we are at that point. And now there's two things you can do. You can cling to the negative, mm. look back and say, this is horrible. Or you can plot a trajectory. So for me, it's not a point in time. It's where the next points will be and what the trajectory is for innovation. And I see that trajectory as, as quite significant. I, I think on that, we're absolutely in agreement. I'm always, you know, my, as you know, my glass is not just half full. It's, it's half full of whiskey and half full of air. It's, it's completely full. I love this stuff. I'm, I'm enamored by it. And, and on that trajectory, where are the, the, the quick win opportunities? Where is the potential for this in healthcare? You know, you and I have probably written, oh, I don't know, patient education material. You know, you're on a statin and this is what you should look at. You know, right. and I've done this for, for pretty much most of the big pharmaceutical companies around the world in my career. And it's always written at a fifth or sixth grade level, which means it's intellectually neutered it's pushed to the middle and it's written for no one. 
I believe that we can use GPT to craft educational material that can be tuned to the interests and intellect of the individual. So when I leave my doctor on a statin or I leave my doctor after a stent or whatever it may be, the, the office staff can print out a customized um, patient education uh, sheet for me that is uniquely suited to my background in electrical engineering that might have a p-value tucked in, that might have a bar chart tucked in. And I will look at it, I will appreciate it, and it'll resonate with me. Now, with people who maybe are not schooled in, in high sciences that might be, let's say, a chef, well, we can, we can write it almost instantly in that context. And, and these are not difficult tasks, and I don't think these tasks are, are riddled with problems. I think it's a fairly straightforward tool. So that's one of the areas that I've been investigating. I think that we can customize patient education and even physician education by using language that resonates with us. Because I know you've read those, those materials and they're, they're just so generic. Does anyone even read them? I, I, you know, I think that's a great idea. And, you know, as I've seen some of the queries or the posts of, of how you interact, you know, write a patient education in the style of a chef would mm -hmm. be a really fascinating output to see what sort of corollaries and associations that they would have to help them understand in the context of their understanding of, you know, the science and, you know, where they see it. And I don't, um, I don't think it takes us into an area that is recognized as problematic in this mm -hmm. area, in this, in GPT. I think that's a straightforward thing that can be done. So, you know, we can, we can, we can navigate, um, navigate the minefield by using things that, that make sense. I've done it personally. I've been, I've been extraordinarily impressed just for fun, writing like, like Shakespeare or Malcolm Gladwell or, or even in the form of a comedian. It's, it's really interesting. So I think that's a nice, nice place for someone to kind of start. And for me to cut to the chase, it's, it's experiential. You gotta get on it, you gotta look at it and you gotta try it. You know, I can describe a banana split by chemical composition, by temperature, by cost, but the only way to really experience it is to taste it. And, and I think that's part of GPT and it's so readily available. And I think one of the points that you made earlier on is important here that, you know, it's not just about individual experiential uh, processing of this, but it's also the responsibility of the educators in medical education, yeah. in generalized education, to say, actually, create a project that is all about chat GPT and come back with content around that. So you center or focus around this. To me, that's an extraordinarily valuable sort of way to push the envelope and almost force people into this space to say, hey, we're not going to ignore it or actually suppress it and try and fight it. Let's actually support this and find ways to include it in our yeah. education. You can't fight it. You, you, you cannot fight it. And, and I think you've got you've to embrace it and move forward. Very exciting. I think there's tremendous opportunity. I like this sort of duality of wonder and fear that you bring up. That's really the sense and the opportunity in healthcare. It's one that I have, I know you have. John, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, Nick. Technology and innovation has a very long history in our lives and world. As John highlighted, going back as far as fire that continues to deliver value, but not universally. 
The ChatGPT3 technology is neither good nor bad. How we use it is dependent on us. As you heard, we are not at a point in time of innovation, but on a trajectory, one that is approaching a straight line or the asymptote of exponential progress. Your better pill to swallow is to open the door and accept the tool as part of the world we live in. Incorporate the technology into your world. Start testing it personally for experience and encourage your employees, co-workers and friends to do the same. Open the door to the use case in your work environment and explore potential opportunities. Not everything will work, but those that do and some of the information that arises will open doors in new ways of thinking. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone. <laughs>